Hey guys, happy Tuesday, choose yourself. I hope you guys find yourselves in a good place and space this morning. And I hope you guys have been enjoying the feature on African leaders doing big things on the continent. Today we are joined by Yasmin Bilo Osaji, the co-founder of She Leads Africa, a digital platform that helps African women build their businesses, grow in their career, and become financially independent. Yasmin graduated cum laude from Princeton University with a bachelor's degree in history and a minor in finance. Her career started as a business analyst at McKinsey and & Company, and today she joins us to talk about her business and hopefully inspire you to start your own. Thank you so much, Yasmin, for joining us today on the Hazes podcast. I'm absolutely inspired by the work that you do through She Leads Africa. And I'm just amped to have you on the podcast to just talk to you and find out how you started, where you are now, um, and just to get to know you a bit better. So, Yasmin, say hi to the people. Hi, everyone. Um, and hi, Ziz. Thank you so much for having me on. And congratulations on everything that you're doing. Um, I know, like, a, a podcast is like a mini startup. So, it's exciting to see you building this. Um, I think before we get into She Leads Africa and how it started, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Um, for those of us who live under rocks and haven't heard of you, um, can you tell us just a bit about yourself, your background? I'm not that famous. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, um, no, for sure. So I'm, um, I'm half Nigerian, half Ghanaian. Um, I grew up um, in Nigerian Lagos. Um, until I was about 10. Um, then I went to boarding school in England um, from 10 to 18. Um, then went to undergrad in the States. Um, you know, took a year off after undergrad. Right. Sort of, um, went to culinary school, uh, worked in kitchens for a little bit. That was kind of like my fun year. Then um, I got boring again and uh, I went into consulting. So I, used, I worked with a company called McKinsey & Company out of their Lagos office mm -hmm. for two years. Um, at the end of my McKinsey tenure is kind of when um, I started SLA with um, a colleague of mine from McKinsey, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and then sort of for the next four years, um, I went back to school. So I went back to grad school. I did um, a joint law and business degree right. um, whilst um, also building SLA. Um, and then this time last year, well, actually, no, I guess a, little, a lot earlier last year, um, I graduated from school, moved back to Nigeria, um, and started running um, SLA um, full time, um, whilst also kind of being involved in like you know other projects, uh, family business, and stuff like that. Right. Um, but I think like a big thing in my life is just you know change, adaptability. You know, I think being a mix of like different countries in Africa, also from like a multi-religious family so you know my mom's christian my dad's muslim and so i think that i've always just kind of been one of those like i don't know i guess almost like a mongrel <laughs> kind of just like always in the middle you know just like kind of just you know trying to have fun right um, enjoy myself yes I mean, the work that you guys have done and the growth of your organization has been absolutely incredible. Um, and I just, you know, think about how, you know, even in our personal conversation now that having a podcast is a startup and it starts small and, you know, bit by bit, you grow that momentum. So tell us a bit about what sparked the need for She Leads Africa and, you know, how you started. Sure. So, so I would say She Leads Africa was not my idea. 
Um, I was just like, I don't know, it, an attacher. I'm always one of those people who I like to jump onto interesting projects and then mm-hmm. kind of see how they go. So um, my co-founder, Afua, she's from Ghana, but she grew up in the States. Um, and kind of ever since she graduated from university, she's always been pretty um, involved in, um, she's always been pretty um, involved in um, kind of women's leadership issues. So, mm-hmm. you know, she started off working at a company called Emily's List, um, where she would work with female candidates um, who are running for office. And, you know, she was a campaign manager for a young woman who was running for office. Okay. She um, then used to do resume clinics in Ghana over the summer because she would notice that a lot of people were kind of struggling to put together uh, professional um, resumes. Um, and so um, she started doing resume clinics. Right. Um, I she then moved to Nigeria and started working at McKinsey and had had this idea for a pitch competition for African women um, because she'd been, you know, seeing the startup scene bubbling in Nigeria. She'd be going to the various startup events and it would be like all guys, there'd be no women. And, you know, you'd ask the organizers, hey, like, where are the women? And they'd give you the same, oh, they didn't apply. We couldn't find them. Like, just like all that type of like, you know, excuse my language, that like bullshit. And right. It like, doesn't make sense. So um, how I got, she'd actually been, trying to get this together maybe for a year or something Mm -hmm. um now we knew each other because we used to work in the same company but we weren't like particularly good friends or anything like that um i ran into her um actually over a weekend um at a conference she was volunteering at a women's conference Mm -hmm. and for me um, sorry, this is one of those like crazy stories. I mean, <laughs> I just broken up with my boy. <laughs> like, I just broken up with my boyfriend of like four years. So I was in this like space of oh, I just need to keep myself busy because I'm so sad. Right. So I saw her volunteering at this conference, and I was like, hey, I'm looking for things to occupy my time. Obviously, I'm enjoying the work I do at McKinsey, but I'm just looking for something that's a bit more, I think, fulfilling, a bit mm-hmm. more engaging. Um, you know, let me know if you hear of any more volunteering opportunities like this. Um, and then she came back and she was like, oh, actually, there's something that I've been working on and I've kind of been looking for like a good you know, team of women to work with on. on. She told me the idea of the pitch competition. I thought it sounded really interesting and really fun. Um, and so, you know, we put um, that together. So the way SLA started actually was just as it was meant to be one pitch competition. Hmm. We thought that it would be a pitch competition that we did um, once a year, you know, at the side of kind of whatever it is that we were doing in our normal lives. Right. Um, but just what, what we found is that kind of putting the, the pitch competition together, we really enjoyed working together. We enjoyed um, what it is that we were doing. We found that we just got a really good response kind of after um, the pitch competition. We found that after the pitch competition was over, people were asking, okay, do you do this? Do you do this? Do you do this? And so we started trying to think, okay, look, is there a sustainable business model um, that we can build around this mm. um, and um, kind of what does that look like uh, moving forward. Um, and so that's sort of what evolved um, into um, um, She Leads Africa. So it really did, you know, start off not meant to be a company. It really did start off as something that was just meant to be a passion project or yeah. a hobby. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I guess like six years later, we're here. Right, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Um, you know, when, when thinking about the fact that the organizers of these, uh, you know, these incubators or these business pitch forums, um, that a lot of the time you're quite right. I think even in South Africa, um, there, there's 
there aren't really, there isn't an expectation for women to be there. Um, and I find even in the corporate South Africa context, you know, not just as entrepreneurs, but there is still kind of this like shock to the system of, you know, where are the women? You know, um, why aren't the women involved in the conversations and why aren't the women involved in the pitches or involved in the business incubators? And I think slowly but surely we're seeing not just women being there, but it being an expectation and a norm, right? But I think you mentioned all these different ranges of issues um, that that your organization aimed to resolve and people asking you for different services. But what were the issues that you saw amongst, I guess, the, the women community across Africa when it comes to developing in corporate, uh, you know, a career in corporate, but also starting their businesses, what were the skills you, you think, you know, people needed that they weren't getting exposed to um, at the time you guys started? Um, sure. So, I mean, I think, look, there are, there's a lot of like just general business skills that I think a lot of people on the continent um, are trying to develop. So a lot of the things that I would say would ring true for men and, um, and women. There right. are some things that would be particularly just focused on women. Uh, it's very interesting because about 20% of our community is male and obviously so much of our content could be relevant to anyone. Mm -hmm. But I mean, what I care about is women. So right. I don't know what to say. Like people are always like, yeah, you could do it for everyone. And I'm like, I mean, I could, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not in a shady way. But no, I understand. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, also it's been a man's time for a long time now. Hey, so yeah, I think it's okay. People always like, why couldn't you do it as you know, the youth lead Africa. And I'm like, you can start that business too. You know, you, mm, you can do it. You know, mm, I've done my thing, you do your thing. It's okay. Right. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, some of the challenges that, you know, we've seen is that um, kind of when it comes to business, I think a lot of people, um, you know, struggle with um, being very, I think, process oriented. Like mm -hmm. if I was to distill a lot of disparate things into one is, there's sometimes a struggle with being very process oriented. I remember I read this quote where it says that people think that building a business is doing um, a thousand things one time, mm -hmm. whereas it's actually about doing the same 12 things like 10,000 times. Sure. So a lot of times like building a business is about building structure. It's about building consistency. It's about building processes. It's about building procedures. It's like if you're making, let's say you're a fashion designer. Right. It's not just about how creative are you. It's like, can you build a structure and processes that allow you to make this same dress in the exact same way 500 times. Right. Not one time, you know, it's like 10 inches and the next time it's 9.5 and then it's eight and then it's back to 10. Like, how do you just build processes and systems that allow you to be consistent right. over time? I right. think that that's one broad thing that I think that people um, tend to struggle with is kind of building in processes like structures and all of these types of things. Sure. Um, and that applies across the board because even when it comes to sales, marketing, I think, you know, people always think sales and marketing is about, you know, the jazz and the pizzazz and the mm -hmm. fun ideas and the mm -hmm. creativity. But actually a lot of it is about doing research, being really disciplined, you know, being well-structured, right. you know, experimenting, but experimenting in a structured way. It's like, how do you take a lot of disorganized energy which like we all have inside of us mm -hmm. we're all excited about our work and our businesses yeah and channel that into something that feels very structured very um methodical um very um you know you, you can do it again and again and again and every time it comes out almost in a way the same way at the same type of standard right um, that your customers and your clients like expect 
Um, this challenge around inconsistency, I think, is a huge problem hmm. in businesses, also, but also in people's professional lives, where it's like, you know, some days a piece of work will be good, some days will not be good, some days will be good, some days will not be good. Sure. Just figuring out consistency, process, procedures. I think that that's one of the things that I would say overall a lot of people tend to struggle with. I mean, mm. and when I say that, even even myself, I'm not immune. Right. Um, I think um, when it comes to kind of women in particular, they will also, of course, be dealing with the extra layer of, um, you know, cultural stereotypes mm. um, that will negatively affect the way that people perceive women and what they can do and what their aspirations are. Right. I mean, for us, it's so interesting because to this day, people still call like She Leads Africa an initiative. They don't call it a company. Hmm. And it's like, due respect, I think that there are a whole bunch of other like media companies or technology companies out there that you call organizations, you call companies, you don't call them initiatives. And right. what happens oftentimes is I think that people oftentimes will minimize the things that women are doing because they will have certain assumptions about what their aspirations are going to be. Hmm. They will assume that you kind of want to build a business that's small or medium sized. Right. You really have the assumption that you're trying to do something big. They will assume that you just want to be nice and kind or, and, and that's of course important but I know think that oftentimes people don't assume that like women want to make money or it's seen as if women say they want to make money or they are ambitious it's like some type of of negative it's always seen as being a bit um you know too pushy mm, um, bossy. you know it's, it's yeah. kind of this attitude of oh you should do these types of things for free and it's like well I can't well, A, like, no, I can't take free to the bank to pay my bill. Right. Uh, but also, like, why should I not aspire to build, like, a $100 million company or a billion-dollar company? Like, why why do I have to just be doing things out of the goodness and the kindness of my heart? Even if I am doing that, I could do that, but also want to build something big. So I find that there's oftentimes a lot of, like, honest, almost like distrust of when mm -hmm. women are openly ambitious about kind of wanting to build things that are big. Um, and so by necessity, it's like, they're somewhat forced to almost like think small or think medium in term, instead, instead of really, I think, pushing themselves um, um, to think big. Hmm. Um, you know, then of course, you'll just have challenges that women have just in terms of like, you know, the hours in their day, you know, for so many women, they are still the primary um, caregivers. They do still manage most of the housework and it's right. like, everybody only has 24 hours in their day. And if I'm trying to build my business with the 24 hours in my day, when I'm having to think about, you know, house stuff and kids stuff, it's just harder. Mm. I can't just wake up and just focus on my work because there are all these other distractions right. that I'm expected to manage. Right. Um, and so it's like you just like physically have less time hmm. and that's hard. It's like, how do you compete? with someone who's 24 hours can just be spent thinking about their work whilst you're 24 hours, you're thinking about your work for people, especially, you know, if you have a family or something like that, obviously if you're even living by yourself, you might have to be thinking about taking care of your parents. Right. You know, a lot of that will typically tend fall more to the daughters than the sons. Even, mm -hmm. even though sometimes the sons will contribute financially. A lot of the times the daughters will contribute with their, their time. Right. Um, you know, how can you like reasonably expect to compete with someone when, you just have a whole bunch of different demands and expectations on your time. Right. It's just, it's, it's just physically harder. It's like you have to be twice as efficient and work much harder because you just have fewer hours in the day to do the things that it is that you want to do. Sure. Um, so, you know, those are kind of some of the challenges that, that we've seen facing. And of course, all of these will have different cuts because 
the the way a wealthy woman will move through the world is different to the way a, a, um, a less wealthy woman would, right? If right. you're a wealthier woman, you'll probably have more access to being able to get help at home. Yes, okay, fine, you'll still have to manage them. But at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're, like having to manage someone to cook is easier than having to cook yourself, right? Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Having to manage someone to clean is, is easier than cleaning yourself. So these kind of cuts um, and some of the things, these problems will be different depending on, you know, wealth, class, um, you know, uh, you know, ethnicity, like there are all these kind of different factors that come into place. So I don't want to kind of simplify. Right. It's a very complicated thing by right. region, by country, by by all of these types of different things. But I mean, I think that those are some of like the broad themes that um, we've noticed. Right. I mean, I think in, in you naming just some of those, there's so many things that I connect with and um, a lot of those challenges that might not necessarily be you know, termed as challenges, but just expectations, you know? So it's not like people are actually aware of the fact that, wow, she doesn't actually have 24 hours. Like it's being chopped up into all of these different expectations that people have of her. And I think in in terms of the family dynamic, it's not that you don't love your family. It's not that you don't want to take care of your family. But I think just the time requirement that you mentioned is very real and how that translates to you doing other things in your life and, and what it means in terms of time allocation for your dreams and your goals. There are real difficulties in managing that. Um, I'm thinking about all the different skills um, that you also mentioned in terms of building in consistency, you know, to get constant quality that is of a good standard and how you want to ensure that people understand these various business skills, right? And and professionalism and building in that consistency that supports the creativity, that it can't just be the creativity, it's the professionalism that goes behind that. But how did you then package all these skills, right, in terms of, I think, business skills and soft skills and time management skills um, and offer it to your client? Um, how, did, how did you manage to kind of define what you want to offer your women and then offer it to them? How, what was that like? Um, so the, the approach that we've tried to take, and I'm not saying we hit this every time. Right. I'm not even saying that even we're part of it, like, you know, I think that one of the things that people should always realize is that it's so interesting because people look at SLA and be like, oh my God, you're doing so well, you've gone so far. Whereas like the way we feel is, oh my God, this is so average. Right. You know, we have got so much further to go. So I think it's always important for people to contextualize that things will always feel, you always feel like further away from your goal than you actually want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of the attitude that we take is um, we try to make learning like, accessible and casual okay um typically what i found is that i learn best not in like very formal you know come with your suit and your conference type of vibe Mm -hmm. so what we've always tried to do when it comes to like creating learning content is how do we take things um and put them across to people in a simple way that feels very relatable and comfortable um, to them. So kind of, if you look at the way we've tried to build our brand, which I think expresses itself best probably through our newsletter mm-hmm. um, and our Instagram, we've always tried to make it very casual. We've always tried to make it very much feel like you're kind of just speaking to like your really smart friends. Right. Um, and so what we try to focus on is taking 
um, concepts that can feel pretty complicated and mm-hmm. far off mm-hmm. and actually putting them in a language that feels familiar to like African women. Right. Um, and so that's really been a big focus for us. And so one of the things that we always try to push whenever we bring in um, outside speakers, because of course, you know, our team is one thing, but we're like, there's so many people, like we see ourselves almost like as a platform connecting all these experts on the one hand, we know people who have so much expertise and knowledge with our community on the other hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, We always do try to push people to be like, look, when you come and speak, keep it casual. Like this doesn't need to feel like it's a lecture. It doesn't need to feel formal. It can feel very like casual and simple. Um, And just put things, like imagine that you're just talking to your friends rather than, oh, I'm speaking at, you know, some esteemed organization, you know what I mean? Um, And so I think that that's just, been the the way we approach learning um and i think that that's just because that's the way that we ourselves like have found that we typically tend to to learn best i'm not sure if that answers the question no it does it does um i'm thinking about all the breakthrough moments that these kinds of engagements with you know like-minded women um and professionals that have access to skills and know-how in a particular area, how that has impacted um, the lives, you know, of so many women across the continent. Um, I was kind of hoping you could share some of, you know, the breakthroughs that you've heard people have had through your organization. Yeah, I mean, it's so, it's it's weird because, um, we, I don't know, you never really see the impact of, because like, we're just sitting at home with our laptops. <laughs> so we never feel, it's so interesting because you just kind of never really, maybe because you're so in the weeds and you're just like working and turning stuff out, you oftentimes don't really see the impact of what it is that you're doing. It's only sometimes when I meet people like randomly, like sometimes, I mean, I was at a random store. I'm in Accra right now visiting my grandma um, and my cousin's getting married and I went into a random store and you know i was just talking to the lady and i was like oh this, i do this thing she's african she was like oh my god you know i've i subscribe to your newsletter you know they'll tell us that you know they've come to some of our courses i think our digital marketing courses and we're doing something with facebook at, at the moment around like digital marketing and she was like yeah it just helped me increase my sales so much like thank you so much da, 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 da. and i was just like oh wow like you're actually finding this useful like oh my god that's amazing like thank you that actually makes me feel so much better because oftentimes because this is digital we get actually not as much interface with the people and especially because for me like in my role like i'm not as front facing right right like i'm not the person managing the instagram page i'm not the person managing the newsletter so i don't see the responses i'm not the person doing a lot of the training so i don't actually interact and hear from from people yeah directly yeah. it's only sometimes in these kind of like really random ways when i run into people and they find out what i do i mean another example like is that i'm taking um i'm learning like a, a, a nigerian language i'm taking yoruba lessons mm-hmm. and it turns out that my teacher she was like oh um you know after our first session she was like oh you know, I didn't want to say this earlier because I didn't want to make it uncomfortable, but I've actually gone to quite a few of the Nishi's Africa digital marketing courses and I found them to be super, super useful. And this is just like a random person who I was like a random language course with. You know right. I mean? so it's those types of things that happen and you're just like, oh, wow. Oh, my God. So what we're doing is actually having impact. Right. Okay, wow. So now I don't feel as, um, as you know, just like 
not useless, but I didn't feel like <laughs> uh, as much like, oh God, what are we doing here? Right. Does this actually matter? You know what I mean? Because obviously you feel that all the time with businesses because, you know, naturally, and I'm sure this is the same for you with your podcast, you spend so much time focusing on what's going wrong. Right. You spend so much time focusing on the people who say negative things that it really can almost crowd out from your mental space like mm. all the positive things. Mm. So it's so weird because I definitely remember the mistakes much more than I remember the successes. And interestingly, I hear that, well, I read that that's actually like, um, what do you call it, a biological thing. Right. Because um, like from when we were, sorry to take us back, but for when, you know, we were like the hunter-gatherer stages or whatever, like yeah. the cost of a mistake, you know, maybe you went to the wrong place and there's like a line or something. Right. It's much higher than the cost of a success right right so, like your brain is sometimes trained to actually imprint the mistakes and the bad things like much more strongly because like you're trying to avoid them because it's almost it, like you know a kind of fight or flight type of like response. right so right. sometimes biologically you're actually trained to always focus on the things that like went wrong because you know back in the day you know, going wrong might mean, I don't know. It like, was your life. Like, you know, eaten, yeah, <laughs> yeah. eaten by a lion. Or yeah. Like, trampled by, I don't know, like some, you know, elephants or something. Um, and so it's weird because when people are like ask, you know, the question that you ask, I'm always just like, I don't know. I can tell you all the terrible things people say about <laughs> us. Like those are so clear in my mind. Right. But the good things I'm like, yeah, I guess people have said good things. And, you know, it seems like we have been, you know, useful to at least some people in some ways. Right. <laughs> right. That's, that's weird. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, it's so funny. I, I didn't want to just like copy you and, 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 kind of take your your train of thought there but it's literally something i was reading about the other day you know where even your brain is more leaned to highlight the negative things than the positive things so if you apply for a job and you get to the second round you know of the interview session and you do really really well but you weren't the right fit for that role your brain will be like you know you're a failure you're a loser you didn't get the job instead of being like hang on but you did get to the second round of the interview, which means that you got X amount of skills and capabilities. Maybe you need to improve in areas X, Y, Z, but let's rather focus on the positive things. So if you don't intentionally reinforce your wins, even if they're small wins, then your brain is more aligned with the negative things. And it's exactly what you said. It's more of your survival instinct that's kicking in. And even though we've adapted as a human race, that part of our brain still kind of warns us against threats, you know, especially when it comes to starting something new, trying something new. And the first failure, our brain is just like, "Mm -mm, this is not for you. Tap out. It's not going to work. Give up now. Um, And I think, you know, what you saying just reminds me of the fact that you need to understand the mistakes learn from the mistakes grow from the mistakes but not get trapped in them you know because you are making an impact and you are making a difference and I think it's important to reinforce those messages you know that kind of positive and also truthful messages of the impact that you're making even though along the way you have growing pains and mistakes yeah I feel like that's what we would advise people so thank you very much well maybe you need to come and give some advice on the SNA platform you did it so I'd well. love to <laughs> I think in the growth process of 
of both your business, but I guess also your career, um, what are some of the key lessons that you've learned personally in terms of running your business? Um, like I said, we just touched on mistakes and small wins, but I think for all the entrepreneurs and career women that are listening to this episode today, what would you say, you know, some of your lessons and tips would be? Got it. Okay. Lessons. First of all, for me, being being somewhat dispassionate from, I think, your business. This sounds terrible because everyone, you know, like when you start a business, it feels like your baby, this, that, and the third. Right. But you really have to have a healthy level of emotional distance hmm. from your business. Sure. Um, because the nature of these things is that they go up and down. You have bad times and you have good times. And as we've just said, the bad times always feel much stronger. And if so much of like your happiness and your kind of emotional stability is pegged to kind of what's going on with your business, right. you're going to really be an emotional roller coaster. So I think it's very important to just have like a healthy distance. Yeah. It's like you have to almost like not want it too much, if that makes sense. Right. So you have to want it, right. you have to not want it too much in a way that means that you are too like emotionally wrapped up to be able to kind of make dispassionate decisions because mm-hmm. oftentimes like when you have that oh my god if this fails like this is going to be so terrible and everyone's going to think i'm a loser and it's going to be the most awful thing in the whole world you don't make good decisions right, you, right. you don't make long-term decisions you don't make thoughtful decisions you, you 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 obsess over things in a way that's just like not very healthy. I, I'm I'm saying this knowing that I still do this from time to time, but mm-hmm. I think I'm getting better. Mm-hmm. So just understanding how to kind of separate yourself from your business. Yeah. Which is very, very hard for people who are entrepreneurs. But it's like you have to do it. You have to understand this is a separate entity to you. It is not a reflection on you as a person. It is not a reflection of um like how good you are because you can be great, smart, well-meaning, and your business can still fail. Like, you can do everything sure. right, you better and it can still not go well. Right. You know what I mean? It, right. it, it, it happens. It's not that every single person's business you failed. I mean, if you think about the percentage of businesses that failed, it's not like all of them were these, like, dumb losers who just, you know what I mean, like, <laughs> couldn't get it together. You know what I mean? A lot of them are smart. A lot of them are well-meaning. A lot of them are hardworking. And right. Sometimes it just happens. And so just really just having that separation between, like, yourself and I think your business is just what I find to be, like, very, very important and always trying to remind yourself. Sometimes it seems terrible because there's so much of this advice where it's like business, you know, your business should be your everything. It should be your right. business. It's like right. sometimes you have to be a bit like separate to it. Absolutely. Um, is what I found to be um, like the one really important thing. Um, the second really important thing is I think to um, try to build like a good, uh, it's really important to build a good team. Um, I don't say that everybody needs a co-founder because you, you don't. I mean, if you look in history, there are people who start businesses by themselves. Mm-hmm. For me, I wouldn't, I don't like starting things by myself. I, I do like working with other people. I find that it's really helpful to have someone where I feel like you're in it with me. Right. But I also understand that a bad co-founder is worse than no co-founder at all. Sure. Um, so the, to the extent that you can at least build a good team, whether that's a good founding team, whether that's a good board team, um, it's very, very important to kind of like build a team around you mm-hmm. um, that is going to be um, aligned with you in terms of values, um, aligned with you in terms of what success looks like, aligned right. with you in terms of standards of work. You won't always get there. I mean, you know, it's it's this issues around building team. It's like the hardest thing in the world. But 
at least that's what the aspiration um, um, should should be. Right. Um, so I think there's that building of people around you is super important. I think the next thing is just being a consistent learner um, and always just taking the time to kind of digest what has gone wrong, analyze what's gone wrong, and then mm -hmm. plan to the future. Mm -hmm. um, and I think just to say that it has two components to what I said. One is like the analysis of what has gone wrong, but then also like the how do I move it forward? Right. Um, so what The problem that you don't want is just to be bouncing from thing to thing to thing without ever being like reflective. Hmm. Um, but then what you don't want as well is to be so a person who you obsess over your past mistakes. This is a big, a big problem that I have. Right. You obsess over your past mistakes but then you don't push to the moving forward. You just spend your time obsessing over them and feeling bad about them. And, oh, my God, I should have done this better. I should have done this better. I should have done this better. Right. It's like you have to learn the balance of, okay, I've got to analyze what I did wrong. But then at some point I have to just move forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just be like, yeah. hey, look, I made that mistake. I wasn't at my best. It is what it is. How do I move forward? And just giving yourself that kind of space and that kindness to have, but like I made the mistake and I move on. Right. So it's like you kind of want to make sure that you're not the first two. You're not. You don't want to be the type of person who doesn't reflect. But then you also need to balance it with not reflecting too much in a way where you just obsess over everything that you did wrong and like you know it kind of then like hamstrings you um, um, uh, in in a little bit. Right. Um, and then I'd say the final thing is you know connected to just learning is just be trying to have like a learning attitude like all the time. You know, with business, you have to learn all the time. You have to be flexible. Um, you know, where, where you start is not going to be where you're going to end. It's like you have to, I think there's that Jeff Bezos says, girl, where it's like, be stubborn about your goals, but flexible about your methodology. Right, um, right. If I think about the way SLA has evolved, we're working on some stuff right now that we had the idea about six years ago. Sure. Yeah, no, I think everything that you've said has been, you know, so, so useful. And I think so true for my life. You know, I think being um, a first generation person to have finished school and finished my degree and then go into corporate, there's so many mistakes that, you know, I've made and so many things I've had to learn. And I think not even just entrepreneurship and the side hustles that I that I do and the things that I do for my, you know, passions. But I think, again, just in terms of corporate and having that spirit of learning and willingness to learn, you know, and sometimes part of that learning experience is actually making a mistake, right? And I found because I was the first person in my family, and I think this is a lot of st a story that a lot of Africans will resonate with, a first, the first person in my family to work in a multinational um, it was very overwhelming, you know, because it felt like everything was on me, you know, and I didn't have any references. I didn't have any, you know, any mm -hmm, examples. Mm -hmm. And so every failure just felt like such a, you know, a disgrace and a letdown to everybody, you know. And I yeah. think also the weight of like, yes, you might be the first black woman in the room, but make sure you're not the last and, and carrying that pressure. I think it was when I resigned all of those opinions, some of them were positive and they meant well, but it actually just put more pressure on me. I had to resign all of that and just for myself discover that I need to learn that I need to learn how to learn. Part of learning is making mistakes and that's okay. 
um, being in a corporate, you know, world, I guess in corporate South Africa, there's still a lot of racism. There's still a lot of, like I said, the surprise that you're in the room in the first place and not letting that become an overwhelming pressure on my own learning, you know? So it's kind of yeah. understanding that I'm a person outside of those pressures, even though those pressures are there and finding ways to, like you said, learn the lesson, analyze, reflect, but to not be so, you know, conjoined with your career or your, your business that every failure now feels personal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd be so curious for you, like being the first in your like generation, in your family, as you said, to kind of go into the corporate space. Like, so, I mean, when you were thinking about like, you know, applying and kind of getting involved, like what were the type of like, how did you go through that? What were the resources that you, you kind of held on to or, you know, whether that those were people, places, like what did that look like for you? How I think did you kind of make that jump? Because I think I'm always so impressed by people who, what I say is like move their lineage forward, like right. a big step forward. It's like I'm doing something. I mean, like obviously what, you know, for, well, I mean, obviously for, you know, black Africans in South Africa for your parents, it's like they just didn't, a lot of them didn't have these options, right? Right, so it's right. It's not through any, of course, any fault of their own. So I definitely don't want to imply that. But I think what's amazing is like for someone for yourself is you're like, okay, look, this is where we're at and I'm going to move it forward. I'm always so impressed as to kind of where that comes from. Sure. I mean, I think it's, I mean, it's kind of weird that now you're interviewing me, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think, well, I also like to learn. right, right. No, I, I think it was, it was really about understanding the importance of networks, you know? So if I wasn't going to get the information from my, my family, and like you said, rightfully, that it wasn't any fault of their own, right? It's just the dynamics of the, the, the history of this country and, and how things were that they didn't have access to what I have access to present day. So for me, it was about networking and recognizing that for some people um, where they have these conversations at their dinner table, that's not me. So identifying people both in the corporation that I work for, but also outside via things like LinkedIn. And um, being able to actually message somebody who I find inspiring or I kind of see a connection between where I am and where I want to go and where they're already existing and being willing to have those conversations and approach those people. Um, second to that, I think, um, funny enough, I actually do read um, your, your newsletters and I go into your website quite frequently, but using platforms like She Leads Africa, the website itself, you know, the Instagram, um, all the different resources that come through women organizations and businesses that are geared towards professionalism and skills development. I read a lot of resources, you know, because again, I mm -hmm. don't have those conversations organically. Do you know what I mean? It's not something that's in my environment. So it does mean that I have to go out there and read and, you know, put myself out there and see who's willing to talk to me and who's willing to mentor me and who's willing to guide me. And so I think that's one of the main things. And um, again, I think it's it's understanding that it has been difficult. I'm not saying it's been easy at all, not in the least, because when you approach people, not everybody wants to talk to you, right? So just because you have yeah. the courage to approach, it doesn't necessarily mean people are going to meet you there. And so I think for me, it was understanding that part of my growth, I am going to meet people that are more willing than others. And that's okay. You know, the, the worst thing mm. for me is to force somebody to want to help you. I think either a person wants to 
you know, or they don't. Some people want to, but they just don't have the capacity, you know. So if you really want that development and that exposure to that development, I find that you have to own the process of your growth um, and be kind enough to yourself when you get the no's or I'm not interested or I can't and continue that fight and look for other people that can assist you and that can help you. Um, but again, I think reading reading has been a big thing for me. I remember I read a, an article by by Harvard that spoke about the importance of women self-promoting. And um, mm. this is something that I saw as such an important thing, but I, I struggled to do it for so many reasons. You know, growing up being told to be polite or to be agreeable or to be approachable, to be nice, you know. So the idea of self-promotion was quite foreign. Um, and it's really just about the ability to say, this is the work that I do. And this is why it's awesome, you know, and to be able to say that and to declare that without feeling arrogant, you know, or pompous, but to recognize that if you don't tell people what you're doing, people literally are not going to know. So these are the things I think through resources and through women that I've met along the way that they've kind of taught me and I've been able to use that in my personal career growth. That's fantastic. That's very cool. I love that so much. Thank you very much for sharing that with me. Thank you for asking. It's, it's very nice to engage, I guess, in this way as well. But I guess I wanted to ask you as we wrap up, just trying to be considerate of time, is, you know, how do you see your business growing and moving forward? Um, I think COVID has been a very interesting experience, to say the least, for all of us this year. And I think a lot of us still want to make an impact and make a change, right? But the truth of the matter is things have changed. And I'm wondering how you see your business moving forward and growing um, and developing, you know, in 2021. Sure. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, COVID. Wow. What a wow. What a wow. <laughs> what a wow it has been. It's just like, this is crazy. But so, I mean, it, it I've you just been spending a lot of time kind of thinking about SLA and what's, what's the next growth thing? Because what we started seeing is that if we stay on this trajectory that we're staying, yeah. we'll build a nice kind of small to medium-sized business, medium-sized mm -hmm. business, but it's not really going to tick over. And I think we both are, like me and my co-founder, we're both very ambitious people and we want to build something big. Um, and we want to have a big impact. And so right. we try to take a step back and really think about, okay, what is that we're try really trying to do here? And if I really think about what it is that I care about is that I just want women to have more money. Right. Honestly. Right. I want women to be richer. When I really think about it, I want to help women generate wealth. That's just what I care about, like, the most. I understand that there are, like, oh, that's the problem that I've chosen to focus on. Like, I understand that there are a whole bunch of other issues of course focused on women that we need to tackle yeah um we have to tackle like a lot of laws that are unfair to women so there's advocacy that needs to be done there and there's lobbying that needs to be done there but i feel like look in life you kind of have to you have to pick a struggle absolutely kind of focus right? absolutely so for me what we said is what i want is just to help women generate like more wealth and so we've tried to now take a step back and say okay look this is expansively kind of what it is that we want to do and obviously, I think that what we've been doing so far is connected to that business and career skills, of course, is directly connected to like your earning potential. And that's sort of why we started there. But, you know, one of the things that we're working on at the moment is a fintech platform for women mm -hmm. um, that would first off start with helping women 
um, think through their saving and investing decisions. Right. Um, I mean, we will launch it in Nigeria, but, you know, obviously South Africa is like our, um, Nigeria and South Africa are our biggest markets. Um, but it's just Nigeria is a market that we're a bit more familiar with. So it's usually mm-hmm. easier to kind of pilot things there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to kind of focus on like, how do we help women make saving and investing decisions that help them actually like grow their wealth? Right. Um, I know that there are a lot of like fintech platforms like out there, but I think one of the ways in which we're trying to differentiate ourselves is just with a really strong focus on um, actually getting people to understand what it is that they're doing. Um, and so there's going to be a much stronger focus on, um, I think, financial literacy. The fact that we're a content company, mm-hmm. um, we're you know somewhat of an education company, for us, it will always come one and two. So like, yes, the technology should allow people to kind of make the financial decisions and like invest and we'll do all of those. But for me, it's also about people actually like understanding like what is, what are equities? Like, what is a bond? Like, how should I think about like Alex, my like, my um how do i think about allocating like my portfolio how do i think about allocating my wealth to all these like different um investable instruments right Um, i think it's important like not everyone needs to be an expert but you need to know enough to ask ask the right type to nigeria but there are so many scams that people fall into where you'll be promised all these crazy stupid interest rates and they basically just end up being ponzi schemes I know why a lot of people kind of get dragged into them because a lot of times people just want to make money quickly. Not because we're selfish, just because we're in a place where there's so much poverty that like people are under pressure to get money in quickly. A lot of times they don't have the luxury of thinking long term. Right. The problem with a lot of these get rich schemes is that people end up losing a lot of money and oftentimes end up in worse positions than when they started. Right. Um, So I think that there's something with us around kind of like helping people kind of think through that. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, we do also want to kind of think about credit. So how do we also help people like actually access um, credit if they want to grow their businesses? How do we get people to understand how you can use debt effectively? Um, debt can be a very scary thing. I'm always nervous about loans and taking right, debt, but right. you know that you can use it effectively to actually grow your business. So I think that the first thing for us on our fintech platform, we'll start with saving and investing, but we also eventually do want to think about how do we actually help um, unlock credit so that people actually like understand how they can use it effectively um, to grow um, um, their businesses. Um, I think connected to that, another thing that we want to start thinking through, and we I think we're still trying to figure out what this looks like is, mm-hmm. We know that it's important to help people think about how they, man- they manage the money that they have. Right. But we also need to help people figure out, like, how do you just generate more money, right? Because that's part of it, right? Like, part of the issue is that, like, yes, you can say to people, manage what you have. But, like, a lot of times people just need more, right? right? Like, they just need more money. Right. And so helping people kind of think through how they do that and being able to connect them directly with opportunities that allow them to do that is kind of the phase two of what we want to do we're still shaping out what that actually looks like how can we do that in a way that's scalable um and um that's effective Mm -hmm. but i think that those are kind of the two things that we would want to lean on because when i think about wealth generation there's something about managing what you have but then there's also something about helping people kind of like generate more money whether that's through multiple streams of income, whether that's through just connecting them with like helping them develop skills so that they can actually earn more at the office. Like mm-hmm. there are different ways that you can attack it. And I think we're still figuring out what that side of it would look like. Right. Um, but, you know, sort of that's where we're trying to um, to head. That's amazing. I'm so excited to watch you guys grow and to be a part of 
that growth with you guys. Um, I'm so blessed that you took some time to talk to me today. Um, as we wrap up, where can people find you for, for the women that don't know? Um, where can people find you? I know you mentioned Instagram and of course there's the website, but you know, how can people engage with you guys? Yeah. So with Shilis Africa, honestly, I think I'm signing up to our newsletter. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can go onto shilisafrica.org, the sign up page for our newsletter is there. And honestly, our newsletter will send you through all the different information that you'll need. We also have different types of newsletters. So you can kind of pick what is most interesting to you. Like we have our Monday motivation newsletter. We have like our, uh, better have my money newsletter which is just focused <laughs> on like financial education right you know we've got the glow up which is a little bit more kind of um, you know lifestyle health beauty like all of those types of things so for us it's like look you know sign up to what you're most passionate about and what you're most interested on right um and then of course we're also on instagram through um she needs africa so check us out there um you know like engage chit chat um i always say to people like it's great to engage with SLA, but what we also like is when people are actually on Instagram engaging with each other, because for us, we're really, really big on thinking about how do we actually build a community of mm -hmm. like young women here in South Africa. Like, you should definitely have listeners in Nigeria, you know what I mean? Like, right. you should definitely have in Ghana. Like, what you're saying is very relevant to so many other African women. And so one of the things I always encourage people is that when you come to the Instagram page, really, you know, in the comments, like, engage with other women. It doesn't need to be just between you and SLA, like we almost see ourselves as the room. We're bringing together different women and we want to help them kind of connect with each other right. uh, versus just having like a direct relationship with us because there's a lot that SLA, you can learn from SLA, but there's also so much that you can learn from the women who SLA is bringing together. Correct. Um, and, you know, we always talk about like old boys networks, and how strong they are and how, you know, they work. And I think that it's also fine for us to build, you know, our kind of, you know, you know, younger women. Well, I don't know if, you know, 30 was still young. I don't know. <laughs> it but is. It's like, I can't use, I can't use TikTok. I don't know if I can say I'm young. I don't know. But, you know what I mean? We do always believe in kind of thinking about how do we, you know, you build networks with other women. Yeah. And I think that it's so interesting because you spoke to the importance of, building networks and networking and finding people who you can talk to and ask questions. It's so, so important. Um, and so I always encourage people to see SLA as like the room, like we're the room that's bringing everyone together. Right. Um, but we always tell people like, no, you also engage, put yourself out there, you know, respond to other people's comments, like start dialogues. Like we've had people who have come to our events or in like and met, co-founders we've had people who have been engaging in comments and they've ended up like working together in like sure. different ways so you know definitely we always see it as like come mm -hmm. but you know engage and like be active because that's definitely how you'll get the most out of the community amazing i'll definitely share all of those links um on this the show notes for today but thank you so much yasmin for joining us um guys i hope you guys enjoyed this episode i know that i have i feel so full and nourished um, but yeah, guys, like I said, I'll share everything via the show notes. Um, happy Tuesday, choose yourself, guys. Hope you're inspired. God bless. <laughs>